0: give everyone just a few moments here to find the live video and jump on. I'll wait we're getting started. This is always the uh, as Ben said kind of the awkward time. Hey there we go. starting to see some folks jump on. this is kind of always the, uh, the awkward time of, of waiting making sure everyone is finding it and getting. It. I think I think we're getting there just about now. Give it a few more seconds here. Hope you all have had a good week, good time with your family, good time of uh, fellowship with family worship, especially this morning. Um, And I'd like to say again, thank you to Brother Jeff for leading our Sunday school these past several weeks. Um, Thank you to. Dubois family, to Ben and to Grayson for uh, kind of heading up our time of worship and being able to keep that going during this time. Uh, guys, we're thankful for your service. Thank you so much. I speak uh, not only from, from my perspective, but also for Brother Jim. Uh, we're very thankful for you, thankful for your service to Southside uh, during this, uh, to say the least, strange time. So thank you. Again, for everything that you've done during this time. Um, Of course, not just to them either. You've probably noticed everything that's been going on with our Facebook through the week, trying to stay connected with everyone. Thank you to Samantha, our children's director, for everything she has done during this time. And, of course, as always, to Miss Teresa, uh, kind of the one who's who's keeping all of this chaos together, uh, keeping things together there in the office. Guys, we're so thankful for you. I'm so thankful for everything that you've done for the church and for uh, your church family during this time. Thank you so much. Um, Seeing that we have quite a few on, I would like to pass along a word from Brother Jim this morning. He texted me, wanted you all to let me know he's doing well. Um, Still just wanting to continue uh, taking it easy during this time, being on the mend. he's, He's feeling a lot better. We're so thankful for that, thankful for for God working uh, with, with him and, and his family during this time. Um, his plan is to be back with us next Sunday morning, so continue to pray that he just continues getting stronger during this time. Um, and as Jeff mentioned, I think the worst part for them has been uh, just kind of going stir-crazy. I know a week or so ago I texted him, called him, talked to him a little bit about things, and said, hey, if we, you know, if you want anything to kind of keep you busy, uh, we got board games here at the church, arts and crafts, coloring pages, but whatever you need, we can bring it to you. So he, he didn't take me up on the coloring sheets, though. But um, I know that's kind of been the worst part. So I'm sure he's looking forward uh, to being out in the real world, world. And, of course, we're looking forward to him sharing with us again on Sunday morning and Sunday evenings as well for the next couple of weeks. So if you would, go ahead and grab your Bibles. Hope that you've got it there close. And turn to the book of 1 Thessalonians this morning. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. And we will be in mainly verse 13 this morning of chapter 2 of the book of 1 Thessalonians. As we continue to talk about the continued thankfulness for the displayed faith as we see in this letter. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 starting in verse 13. <clears> 1 <throat> Thessalonians 2 verse 13. And if you're unfamiliar with 1 Thessalonians, I encourage you to grab a Bible anyways. Go ahead and turn there. You'll go to the New Testament. You'll go past all four Gospels, go past the Book of Acts, then Romans, 1st, 2nd, Corinthians, and then you have the four, as we call them, prison letters, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, and 1st Thessalonians is right after Colossians. Kind of right in the middle. I know it can be challenging finding these smaller letters in God's Word in the New Testament sometimes, but trust me, your Bible has 1st Thessalonians, I'm sure. So if you would find that and turn to 1st Thessalonians 2, verse 13. As you're turning there, or if you've already found, this, found it, if you would, join me in a word of prayer this morning as we begin our time in God's word. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for today, God. We thank you for this time that you've allowed us to be here, Father. God, we thank you for these last couple months. God, even though they've been challenging, even though they've been unprecedented, God, we are still thankful that, one, you are in control. God, this has not escaped your sight. This, is not, this did not surprise you. God, you are still sovereign over all things. And God, secondly, we're thankful that even though we've been disconnected and and, and kind of taken from each other, Father, that we're still able to do things like this, uh, to keep connection with one another, to continue the ministry of Southside as a local body to the community. And Father, just pray that you would continue to bless this time, Father. Lord, we love you. We thank you for everything that you've given to us. God, we thank you most of all for Jesus. We pray these things in his name. Amen. So remember from last week, we were with you Sunday morning last week, and we picked back up in the book of First Thessalonians. Uh, last week we examined Paul's defense of his apostleship and character and reflected on what godly leadership looks like. Remember from last week we talked about whether you are a pastor, teacher, some kind of a volunteer in the church, or simply leading your family. As a Christian, we are to strive for godly leadership and leading by example. So keeping that in the back of your mind, we are picking back up in First Thessalonians this morning, right where we left off from last week, as Paul continues to reflect on the activity of this church and why he is thankful for them. Now a little bit of context about this people and the people that he has thankful for. I want to remind you, these things we've talked about in the past, but of course it's been quite a while. So the people out of Thessalonica would have been somewhat of a melting pot. I think we're all probably familiar with this ter- that term as it's often used uh, to describe our country, people from all different areas coming together in somewhat of a melting pot of people. And that would have been somewhat of what Thessalonica would have been like. Uh, because of Thessalonica, because of it being so large, being such a popular uh, city for trade and commerce, this brought all kinds of people together, different people seeking a better life. And of course, with these different people, it brought different beliefs and ideologies to the city and the culture. And, and, and keeping that in mind, this church came out of this city, this large city. Uh, most most scholars believe it would have been the size of around 500,000 to a million People. That would have been very large back in that day and age. And this church came, came out of that people, Jew and Gentile alike, with various beliefs about life, death, and eternity. Yet what bound them together, what brought them together and held them together as a church was a common faith in Jesus. But we see Paul mentioning in chapter 1 at verse 9 and reflecting how they turned from idols to serve the living and true God. They had a continued repentance, and this was cause for Paul's thankfulness as he thought about them, as he mentions in chapter 1, verse 3. And this morning, we continue in the next section of this passage in chapter 2, verse 13, as we continue seeing the thankfulness for display displayed faith. And that's the very first thing we see, that Paul has a continued thankfulness for their display of faith. Look there in chapter 2, verse 13, as we begin this morning. Paul says, and we also thank God constantly for this, that when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as the word of men, but as what it really is, the word of God, which is at work in you believers. Paul, again, repeats his thankfulness towards the church. As we just mentioned, this has already been mentioned by Paul in chapter 1, verses 2 and 3. Paul says, we give thanks to God Always, almost saying the exact same thing, Paul repeats himself here in verse 13 of chapter 2 and says, and we also thank God constantly for this. Paul repeats himself. And I want you to understand that repetition is important in God's word. Brother Jeff, a few weeks ago, mentioned that very very point, that very fact. Repetition is important in God's word. When you see a truth repeated throughout a letter or throughout a book, it's important to take note of that. Why? Well, simply because repetition brings Emphasis: Someone who repeats himself about a similar subject or the same subject, it brings emphasis on that very subject. For example, it makes me think of, of a situation I was in in India. Some of you probably know years ago I went to India. There, Bangalore, India, did a mission trip over there. And one thing that we did and focused on, kind of the main focus, was doing a pastor's conference there. Uh, We went to two different places, had a pastor's conference, got to meet a lot of the pastors there in India as they were were local, as they were spread out all over the place, different villages, different areas. And and so we gave them Bibles and we gave them resources. And one resource we gave them and actually kind of talked through with them was a discipleship resource. It was a book called One-on-One with God. And it was a book that was written for the main purpose of discipleship, giving pastors, giving individuals kind of a plan of action on how to disciple one another. And actually, the author of this book, Brother Jerry Fine, actually went with us on the trip. And I remember he was teaching this group of pastors, and we were kind of stepping through this book and talking about certain doctrines and the importance of these doctrines. And he was teaching over the doctrine of eternal security. And, of course, that's an extremely Important doctrine. And so Brother Jerry Fine was teaching a particular point over eternal security. He got to the end of the point and he asked them, he said, Do you understand? Well, and then they shook their heads. Now, you need to understand something before we go on with this story. Now, we know that in our culture, when someone is telling you something or asking if you understand something, what do you do? You shake your head, right? Everyone, right now, do that. We all look weird doing that. But yeah, we shake our head, right? It means you're tracking, you're with them. Well, in India, one thing I notice is they don't do that, they do this. I know I look like a bobblehead right now, but that's what they do. And it's saying the exact same thing. They're saying, yeah, I agree, or yes, I'm tracking with you. So you would see as you're talking to them or as they're talking to each other, they're doing they're doing this head motion. Which if you're unfamiliar with that, what does that look like? It looks like they're saying no. So Brother Jerry Fine, he gets to the end of teaching this eternal security, and he asks them, do you understand? Well, this whole group of 20 pastors or so that he was teaching, they all went like this. So Jerry finds them, well, we'll go back and we'll do it again. They don't understand. So he he taught the same doctrine. He went all the way through the point that he was going through, and he asked them, do you understand? Well, again, they all, they all went like this. So Brother Jerry finds out well, okay, we'll go back and we'll do it again. So he teaches the same thing, and he asks them again, do you understand? And again, they go like this. Well, he didn't understand that they were saying, yes, we're with you. So finally, Brother Steele's like, hey, man, they're with you. They're tracking. That That means they're with you. They understand. Uh, Whether they understood it or not, that repetition brought emphasis. I'm sure those pastors at the end of that particular session said, man, that guy really wanted us to get that point. He repeated himself like four different times. It, It was true in that accidental situation, and it's true in just normal conversation. Repetition brings emphasis. One thing that this church would understand from this letter would have been Paul's thankfulness for them and towards them. Although Paul is essentially saying the same thing, we see that he is thankful for different reasons in these two passages. Chapter 1, verse 3, he is thankful because he remembers their work of faith, labor of love, and steadfastness of hope. Here in chapter 2, verse 13, it's for a different reason. Paul mentions his thankfulness because of their initial response to the word of God, which is what we see in the next part of this verse. Look there again in verse 13. Paul says, and we also thank God constantly for this, that when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it, not as the word of men, but as what it really is, the word of God, which is at work in you, believers. That, that phrase, receive the word of God, it's a familiar phrasing that references the initial belief in Jesus and the gospel message for salvation. We see that throughout God's word, and specifically throughout the book of Acts. And right here, Paul's saying receiving the word of God, he's mentioning their initial belief in response to the word of God. Even though it was a message that was delivered through men, such as Paul, it was not received like any other ordinary message, the message of the gospel, the message of God's word, it wasn't received as good advice or a public service announcement. The message spoken to these individuals was received by them as God's word because that's what it is. The warning of impending wrath because of their sin and the hope of good news through Jesus, they responded to it as God's word. But we see in First Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18, Paul speaking of the word of the cross, the gospel. He says the word of the cross is folly, is foolishness to those who are perishing. To those who don't believe, and you probably know someone who would fit this, they look at the gospel and say, that's folly, that's foolishness, it doesn't make sense, it's crazy. But he goes on in the verse and he says, but to us who are being saved, to us who have received the word of God, it is the power of God. It is the very power of God on our lives for salvation. He mentions in Romans chapter 1 verse 16, he says, I am not ashamed of the gospel. I'm not ashamed of it for It is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek, to the Gentiles. The church at Thessalonica did not respond to the message of the gospel because Paul was the coolest preacher around or the trendiest. It wasn't because he was the best spoken or the most well-spoken. They responded because of the power of the message itself. The, the, The power of salvation, it's not found in the messenger. It's found in the message. That is why Paul shared it. That is why the early church shared it. That's why we've had faithful pastors, preachers, teachers, individual Christians throughout church history and today still sharing it. Because it's not based on them. It's not based on their power. It's based on the power of the gospel. It's based on the power of God's word. Our confidence in sharing the gospel does not rest on our communication abilities or intellect, but in the power of God's word. Church, I'll tell you, it doesn't make sense that God called me into preaching ministry. Some of you may know this. I've told our students this. Because growing up, I had a, a, a speech impediment, a, a really clear speech impediment, if that makes any sense. That's kind of an oxymoron. It, it was very, 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 very profound. It was there. Right? I had to go through speech, had to do all of that thing. I couldn't talk very well. And even today, while preaching, sometimes it, it comes out. I can't help it. If you notice, sometimes it, I might stutter a little or I don't say a word correctly of course the students make fun of me for it because they know that and that's that's of course extremely encouraging but but if i look at that and I, i see that and you may ask well why does he continue to preach why do i continue to preach even though i'm very vulnerable or i still mess up or say things incorrectly or don't say them properly because it doesn't depend on me it doesn't depend on my strengths or my weaknesses it depends on the power of the gospel itself the power of god's word that's why we share it Regardless of where you are, regardless of how smart you are or are not, we share it. Our confidence comes from the message itself. They received it as God's word. Not only was Paul thankful due to how they received God's word, but also how it continued to work in their lives. We see that in the last part of verse 13. He says, Which is at work in you, believers? Paul mentions briefly the continued working of God's word in their lives. God's Word not only brings conviction for salvation, but also brings a continual sanctifying work in our lives. God's Word should still be at work in your life, Christian. The the Christian life, after salvation, it is not one that is stagnant or stands still. It is one that continues. God continues to sanctify us and work in us by the working of His Word in our lives. So often we look at salvation like this rite of passage, like, like getting a driver's license right? You, you do the work, you, you study, you, you practice, and then eventually you have that moment where you take the test, and okay, I passed. Now I never have to think about it again. Besides getting it renewed so often, most of us, we don't have to do the testing, we don't have to we don't have to grow in our understanding, we get it. That's so often how we look at the process of salvation. It's this one moment, and okay, and that's it. it. It's this pass, go, get out of hell free card, and okay, that's it. That's not salvation. It wasn't just that they received the message of the gospel. It wasn't just that they received the word of God. It was that the word of God was still at work in their lives, sanctifying and growing them. As I grow in my Christian faith, it is not that I understand I need God less. It is that I understand that I need him more and more. Christian, I don't know if you're like me, but we still need the working of God in our lives. Charles Spurgeon said, I am a poor sinner still. I have to look to Christ every day as I did the very it is a growing understanding of repentance and sanctification, the receiving of the Word of God, and God's Word still working in our lives. And for Paul to witness these things in the church at Thessalonica, it brought thankfulness, even though the church was going through a time of opposition. And that leads us to our next point: following the example example of others in opposition. Look there in verse 14. Paul says he's thankful for how they received the word of God, how the word of God was still at work in their lives. And then he says, verse 14, for you, brothers, became imitators of the churches of God in Christ Jesus that are in Judea. For you suffered the same things from your own countrymen as they did from the Jews. The church at Thessalonica, they were experiencing similar opposition as the early church did in Jerusalem and Judea. Uh, we need to see this reference to, to Jews here at the very, very end of verse 14. Paul is not referencing the whole of the Jewish nation. He is referencing the Jewish leadership of that day, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the leaders. And we see that they were going through some kind of opposition, but Paul says in verse 14 that they became imitators. Look at that word, imitate. It means simply to be a follower. Actually, the Greek word, it's where we get our word for mime. If you've ever seen how a mime acts, what do they tend to do besides being trapped in a glass box? They, they tend to imitate, they tend... To follow. It's where we get our word and understanding for a mind. Paul says, You imitated, you mimicked the church at Judea. The church at Thessalonica began facing opposition for this displayed faith. But instead of backing down, they continued to be an example and to be a city set on a hill, even imitating the early church in Judea when opposition broke out against them. Opposition broke out, but it didn't matter. They followed the example of other faithful churches while they themselves were setting an example for the other churches and areas around them. Now this is a theme that we see here in First Thessalonians chapter 1 and 2. It's a theme of leadership. It's a theme of following the example of one another, like we talked about last week. Christian, The Christian life is one of following and leading. First and foremost, it's following Jesus initially, following Jesus in the gospel message, responding to the call of salvation on your life. And then it's a daily denying of ourselves, crucifying our flesh, and following Jesus. Not just following Jesus, but even following the faithful examples of others who have gone on before us. And then as we go, as Brother Jeff mentioned earlier, then leading in discipleship as well. Christian, we not only look to the example of Jesus as we should and follow him daily, But we also are to look at the example of others who have gone on before us. We see this truth in other places of scripture. Hebrews chapter 11 and the very beginning of chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 11, if you're familiar with the book of Hebrews chapter 11, we call it the hall of faith. It's where the author of Hebrews goes through and talks about these faithful examples, faithful witnesses, people of faith, people from the Old Testament, even saying to people that we'll never know the name of this side of eternity. But then he says, chapter 12, verse 1, he says, therefore... Since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every distraction and sin that clings so closely to our lives and run with perseverance the race that is set before us. The author of Hebrews says, seeing these witnesses, seeing these faithful examples of living, you are to imitate and do the same thing. We are to follow the example of others in our lives and others who have gone on before us. Why? Because their example of following Jesus helps us to follow Jesus better. Even in the middle of opposition, like we see in this church. Even in the middle of distraction or hardship, like what we're going through right now. In, in this situation, in our society. I was studying this week, I listened to a podcast called Five Minutes in Church History. And it's literally five minutes long, and it's about church history. And, and the one who was doing this, the guy who was doing this podcast, he mentioned a guy named Francis... Grimke, we had our, our Sunday school Zoom this morning at 9.30, and we, we looked at Grimke and something he said and, and a quote, and, and Francis Grimke was a pastor who was alive during the time of the Spanish flu, and probably many of you know about that time during during the, the early 1900s, 1918, 1919, killed millions of people globally. It was a pandemic, and, and Francis Grimke was a pastor in Washington, D.C., and during, during the, the month of October in 1918, they, they had their church completely shut down, similar to what we're going through. And so looking at his life, studying his life, studying sermons that came out of that time, it's been encouraging to me. It is good for us to look at the example of others in our lives. Think of this cycle of following and leading that Paul is bringing into play here. We follow the example of others. We lead others in discipleship. And this is repeated as we are all following the Lord Jesus in our daily lives. We are to look at to the example of jesus we are to look to the example of others even in difficulty and opposition and that brings us to our final point this morning opposition christian understand we will face opposition to the gospel paul continues focusing on these jewish leaders who have opposed them in judea similar to those that were opposing the church at thessalonica verse 15 he says who killed both the lord jesus and the prophets and drove us out And displease God and oppose all mankind by hindering us from speaking to the Gentiles that they might be saved. So as always to fill up the measure of their sins, the wrath has come upon them at last. The early church as well as many early churches were no strangers to opposition and persecution. That was a common theme for them. To see the church in Thessalonica being opposed because of their display of faith, because of the gospel, that was not surprising. Paul, in describing the Jewish leaders, uses this strong wording to reveal what they have to look forward to for their disobedience to God. Paul says that they had an opposition even to the spread of the gospel to the Gentiles. And whatever opposition they had, whether it was throughout history that he mentions or or here today as he's going through and seeing they're, they're opposing the spreading of the gospel, ultimately it's opposition to God himself. He says not only were they opposing the spread of the gospel, but they even, same group of people in the past, killing the prophets, even killing the Lord Jesus. Throughout history, they had continually missed the plan of God unfolding right in front of them. Even though we see in Acts chapter 4, Gamaliel, one of the the older Pharisees, actually the mentor of Paul, as a Pharisee. Gamaliel even warning them saying, hey, if this isn't of God, like we've seen other, other uprisings before, it will eventually fall down. But if it is of God, we might even be found to oppose God himself. They, they did not heed his words, but they continue to oppose God and his plan of salvation. Paul says that they are storing up for themselves the wrath of God, and his judgment already is revealed against him through the truth of the gospel message. Remember, several weeks ago, Easter Sunday, we spoke and we looked at 1 Corinthians 15, and remember, we said that Jesus' resurrection to those who believe bring a confirmation of hope. It's something that we see as a confirmation of Jesus' deity and the salvation message and bringing us hope, a living hope. But to those who disobey, the resurrection of Jesus brings a confirmation of God's wrath towards them. This brings a confirmation that God's wrath has been revealed in the gospel message we see that the gospel message not only brings a message of salvation and hope, but also a message of God's wrath and judgment on sinful humanity. And this brings us to the reality of what true gospel preaching will ultimately bring you. Opposition. Those who are opposed. Sinful man always opposes the message of the gospel. Because the gospel offends. The gospel offends and cuts to the heart. We need to understand that when we preach the gospel, with as much love as we can, when we preach the gospel from a biblical standpoint, just looking to preach the truth of the gospel, it will always offend. It will always cut man down because man is sinful. We see this happening in Acts chapter 2 and Acts chapter 7. The word of God being preached. Peter preaching day of Pentecost, preaching the first gospel sermon. At the end of the sermon, it says the group who were listening, it says they were cut to the heart. It, it cut them. It offended them. It hurt them. But, but they responded appropriately. They responded correctly. It said that they were cut to the heart, but then they believed. They asked Peter, what do we need to do? Peter says, repent and have faith. So they did. But then we see another instance, Acts chapter 7. Early on, just a few chapters later, Stephen is, is dragged before the council, and he's there, and he shares the gospel message with this group. And they, they as well, they were offended by the gospel message. They were cut to the heart. What was their response? They stoned Stephen. Stephen was the first martyr. Genuine gospel belief, genuine gospel living, and genuine gospel preaching always brings opposition, always brings those out who oppose the gospel. And to end this point, I want to bring you two quick encouragements about what our response should be when we see opposition towards the gospel. In Christian, we will see opposition to the gospel. Firstly, I want to... To encourage you that we are to respond by relying on a God of justice. As we see Paul pointing out here in 1 Thessalonians 2. We need also to remember that God's wrath and judgment is swift and true. It is not that we celebrate the ultimate dev- demise of these individuals. No, we should be broken hearted. But by relying on the God of justice, we ultimately are trusting God with the outcome. Trusting God that he is a God of justice and judgment. And we trust him, and we rely on that. Secondly, our response, besides relying on a God of justice, we are to pray for those who oppose the message of Jesus. We are to still have a heart and pray for these individuals. We see in Matthew chapter 5, Sermon on the Mount, one of the most well-known sermons, probably the most well-known sermon that Jesus preaches. We see in verse 43, he says, You've heard it said, love your neighbor, hate your enemies. Most of us like that, right? I can do that. I can love those who are neighborly and loving towards me, and I can hate those who are enemies of mine. But he goes on in verse 44. He says, but I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Pray for those who persecute. Pray for those who oppose. We are to pray for those who oppose the message of Jesus, realizing that even if they oppose the message of Jesus, even if they oppose God and what he has done throughout history, there is still time. There is still time for God to do a work in their heart. Christian, look at those who oppose the gospel and pray for their soul. Pray that God might bring them to repentance and faith that they might believe. This morning, as we reflect on these truths to remind ourselves of what we've seen this morning, to conclude this morning, we've seen the continued thankfulness of Paul for this church and their display of faith. We see that they received the word of God, and the word of God was still at work in their lives And then they went on to imitate those churches who had suffered in the same way as them. Churches, we reflect on these things and look at this passage of scripture. There are three challenges I want us to to see and understand looking at God's word this morning. Firstly, see the word of God at work in your heart and life and embrace it as it works in your heart and life. As you see individuals, if you're serving in church, if you're teaching in church, if you're pastoring a church, whatever it might be, as you see individuals not only responding to the word of God, but then the word of God continuing to do a work in their life, we, like Paul, ought to be thankful for that and thankful that we see it in our own lives as well. See the word of God at work in your heart and life and embrace it as it works. Secondly, Christian, remain faithful in the Christian life. Despite opposition, despite distractions and hardships, remain faithful as you follow the example of the Lord Jesus and the example of faithful brothers and sisters, those who are still around you and those who have gone on before you. And finally, as we just seen, opposition will come. Opposition to a true gospel ministry and life will come. Our response is to trust in a God of justice and to pray for those who who oppose the message of the gospel, that they might be saved. Christian, I encourage you to do that even right now. If you look at our society and you see those who are opposed to the gospel, and we see them, we understand that. If you see someone in your life who's opposed to you because of your faith in Jesus, do not become bitter. Pray for them. Pray that God might break their heart and bring them to repentance. Church, I encourage you to look at these truths, to, to weigh your life against these truths that we see in god's word this morning and that you might be encouraged even as we face opposition church let's pray this morning father we thank you for today god we thank you for this time that you've allowed us to be here father god allowed us to look into your word and god we're thankful for the tools like this that in some way even though we can't fellowship together in the way that we want we can still hear your word and fellowship in your word father we thank you for that God, I pray that you would help us to be lights. I pray that you would help us to be examples in a dark world. God, that even when we face opposition, we might rely on you and pray for those who oppose us. God, we thank you for your word. Pray that it encourages, but God, also that it convicts us and leads us in the right path. Lord, we love you, and we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Church, we're thankful for you. Uh, Remember, we are praying for you. If there's anything that we can help you with during this time, please... Let us know. Uh, Please keep updated as well with our Facebook page and things that are going on uh, these next few weeks as we look forward to the time when we can begin meeting together again. So church, again, we're thankful for you and we're praying for you. God bless you.